on the show, sisters who are sisters but don't know their sisters become sisters, the Don Bosco method for dealing with children and tidying up Christian style. Our Pigs of the Week and so much more, the Catholic Underground starts right now. love it when it's live. It's time for the CU Weekly. We're the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 387. I am Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Uh, If you didn't know, I don't know if you know, but now you know. Uh, Joining me this week, we've got uh, Kathleen Lee. Kathleen Lee is the executive directress of the Women's New Life Center. (laughs) Yes, and I love how you feminize all of my titles. Well, I try. You know, actress, I mean, directress. Yeah, I love it. I think it's kind of fun mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's a Kathleenus. Oh yes. You see, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. It's kind of making <laughs> like making you your own angel, your own species, right? Ooh. A Kathleenus. Oh, I like it a lot. I like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> uh, let's go up to the Jeff Star One, shall yes. we? That near Earth orbit satellite that is ever broadcasting. Yes. The love of Jeff. The only satellite in the fleet with a tip jar. Yes. Oh, that's true. Indeed. That's right. Regularly. Yeah, you have to use the, uh, the 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 space elevator, the pneumatic thing, you know, like at the bank. Oh, those are my yes, favorite. Yeah, those those the tips are my favorite. <laughs> Jeff Blackwell, right in here. <laughs> the technical director of the CU, he's the commandant of that uh, near-Earth orbit satellite. Yep. We're always happy to have him. And Ed Ball, who is our video director. So if you happen to be watching us in uh, the video feed, so that means like on Roku or on Facebook Live, then you can join in the chat on Facebook or just simply watch us on Roku and laugh at us. Yeah. Because, you know. We love joy. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're, if you're listening to us on the podcast... Hi, folks. Um, <laughs> uh, you're probably you're probably laughing, but not ha ha laughing. It's probably oh, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I laugh all the time. I'm not quite sure why. Sometimes <laughs> it's an easy defense mechanism. Yeah, <laughs> that it is. So Elizabeth and Gabriella mm-hmm. um, are two sisters who found themselves in the convent of the Sisters of Saint Elizabeth, and. Um, they both said that we think that our mother worked from heaven for our vocation. Wow. But the way that they came to know each other and the way that they came to their vocation is really interesting. So on February 23rd, 1962, mm-hmm. Cecilia gave birth to twin girls. However, she never had the chance to meet them because she died in childbirth from complications that are related to a cesarean section, to a C-section. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she, the family had no no other choice than to, to separate the twins um, just because of the, the difficulties of raising right. what, for whatever it was in their family. Mm-hmm. And so one would be raised by the father and then another would be taken in by the deceased mother's sister. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I mean, if you think about it, this sounds rather biblical, you know, they're kind of common in those right, days, yeah. right? So, um, so the peculiarities of the way that it was managed meant that the two sisters were officially registered as cousins and not sisters, oh, right? Okay. And uh, they lived in neighboring towns, so they went to the same school. They were often seated side by side because of the vision problems that both of them have. And then they understood each other very well. They liked to play together. They chose the same activities. Um, their common tastes extended to the way that they, they dressed, and they often ended up choosing uh, similar shoes or dresses or that yeah. sort of thing. It was the 60s. Jeff remembers there was only like four to choose from, right? Yeah. Not that you shopped for dresses, but... Uh, right, but I, I totally yeah, get it. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There were four to choose from. You go yeah, into pennies, was, and there it is. There was there no is. Amazon, right? There was no Amazon. <laughs> there wasn't. Oh, no. I'm, I know that's hard to believe, but there wasn't Amazon. 
you go into the Woolworth and like one, two, three. Four. Those were simpler times, I suppose. They were, yeah. yeah. Four channels too on the TV to watch. Four I mean, channels. Pretty simple. That was my life growing up. I only had five. <laughs> four pairs of pants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's anyway. So yeah. they prefer. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those shows, folks. Get ready. Uh, <laughs> The two sisters preferred religion classes and spiritual retreats to going on trips to the country with their friends. And all on All Souls Day, they went to the cemetery together. There, they, they shared the same tradition of going to visit the cemetery. Yeah. And every year, each of them went with their families to pray at the tomb of a certain Aunt Cecilia without knowing that she was oh, their mother. No. Isn't that something? Oh, man. And so um, throughout their childhood, uh, the, the two uh, women often heard people say they're cousins, but they seem more like twins. One day at the age of 10, Gabriella accidentally overheard a family conversation and discovered the secret. <sighs> yeah. And, and um, a short time later, Elizabeth heard the news on the day of her first communion. And then they described, quote, life in the countryside is beautiful, except for the fact that people talk a bit too easily. Gosh, I know about mm-hmm. that. Uh, certainly, it was a terrible shock for both of us, even though we understood that our parents' intentions were good right. and that we were deeply loved. And so that was kind of the story of their childhood. They found out at 10. But then something else happened because this, the twins prepa- participated regularly in prayer groups. And the Hospitler Sisters of St. Elizabeth were the ones who were the, the congregation that was in the yeah. town leading these prayer groups. Mm-hmm. And they both felt the call to religious life. And they talked about it a lot between themselves. And so the date was set. So they announced the news to their parents. Mm-hmm. So for, for Elizabeth, things went very well. Uh, the, uh, the biological father um, right. um, gave her his blessing. Go. Go with God. Good. Yeah. Um, then for Gabriella, the opposite happened. Uh, her father... Uh, by by adoption, right? The one who was raising her took away her ID card, forbade her to leave the house. Oh, no. What? And that was that. A year and a half later, Gabriella came up with a plan to be reunited with her sister under the pretext of going to visit Elizabeth for her birthday. Mm. She uh, Now, this happens very often. Yeah. Uh, she prepared everything that she needed to do to move there permanently uh, to Elizabeth's great joy, of course. Yeah. But the cost, uh, and there was a cost, though, of breaking off all relations uh, relationship with her parents. Right. For a couple of years. And so then became a real time of grace, uh, as, as the author at Aletheia says. Um, it was a time where they were finally together, could walk towards Christ side by side. Five years later, they were ready for their perpetual bow- vows. Gabriella's parents showed up in the company of the parish priest. Sometimes that can help, you know, if father's there, mm-hmm. kind of uh, preparing everything and saying, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And, right. you know, uh, and I'm here, I gotcha. Uh, and so Gabriella's parents finally accepted her decision. And then um, gave the, the parental blessing. Please do this. Everyone was come, overcome with emotion. Right. And uh, for Elizabeth and Gabriella, um, the, these two sisters who are sisters now, mm-hmm. they said that it couldn't be any other way. Uh, and, and they quote, When our mother died, one of the sisters of our religious community was holding her hand. We think that our mother worked from heaven for our vocation. The way of being reunited, this shared path as novices and postulants in our vocation, is her most beautiful gift, a gift sent from heaven. Wow. Unquote. Mm, yes. And this is really the way that, that the Lord works in all of his all of his mystery. But sometimes it's not so mysterious. I mean, in a sense, that's not really all that mysterious. Right. It's just, it's beautiful to see that the, the hand of God mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of all of that. Well, how different their, their paths were, yeah. you know. Um, they're very similar, but, but how different their mm-hmm. families reacted. That's right. But also, I find it really interesting, um, the influence of uh, religious. Yeah in a family's life. Mm-hmm. You know, you see it from, from the birth mom, mm-hmm. right? And, and her involvement, you see their involvement with the prayer groups with these sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
kind of the conversion of of Gabriella's parents. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, presumably, perhaps through the work of the parish priest. Right. And I think that's that's something that you know. Uh, pardon me, my soapbox seems to be rising out of the floor, but <laughs> here it but, comes. <laughs> but I I think that because we priests in 2019, right. uh, and I can really only speak as a diocesan priest. Um, we we become so busy with with the administrative stuff, right? And uh, on top of it, we're trying kind of very gingerly to to um, to make sure that that child protection right. and protecting our children is, is is observed and everything. That sometimes we can we can um, unknowingly distance ourselves from those moments of grace that are happening right. by by knowing the family, uh, and then by by on the other side of the coin. Uh, families don't see the church as as the center of their activity anymore. Right. You know, and right. so a teacher might fulfill that role, um, you know, of, of kind of being involved with the the upbringing and the life of the children. In fact, I, I know um, in, in my own town, um, one of my parishes, uh, there are a couple of teachers that are, that are exceedingly involved in yeah. the life of the children of the parish and trying to shepherd them in the right mm-hmm. way. And of course, in public school systems in the United States, you have to be very, right. quote unquote, careful about how you do that. Right. But, um, but yeah, there, there's something present now, uh, or not present now, that was present in the proximity yeah. of, of the religious sisters. Of course, they're, they're present. Right. <laughs> you know, there are some. Right. Well, I, was talking, I, I think I've spoken about it on the show before about um, my own family. And we lived, we lived across the street from our parish, uh, our church parish. Literally, you could see the rectory from our house. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were always, you know, present and active in the the parish because mm-hmm. um, it was a walk away right, right. It was a but it, walk. yeah but it wasn't until father chris moved in <laughs> that i was like hey my friend you know i remember asking my parents i said hey my you know father chris is can he come over for dinner and my mom was like now what yeah, now what yes <laughs> um yes and and he came over and it was a whole different experience than we had ever you know because we hadn't had priests over mm-hmm. ever, um, and it was a whole different experience. You know, I would say, um, certainly for my dad, uh, a great opportunity to to have someone to talk to about the faith that he mm-hmm. he wouldn't have gone out and and sought and that out. Mm-hmm. You know, but over over wine and cheese, you know, they were yeah, talking you just about have to the give church. Me cheese. I mean, wine is generally <laughs> optional, but just give uh-huh. Father cheese. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. just give me wine. I bring the cheese. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Exactly. But what a beautiful blessing that w- that was in our, mm-hmm. you know, in my own family. Yeah, and and I mean that's part of the the problem is of course priests are so busy with the administrative work in a parish right. yeah. that even even though we want you know yeah. to, to have that experience we can't always do so. I got asked by actually by Olivia who's who's uh, on assignment today. Um, she asked if I would come and hear confessions last minute at a youth retreat uh, that was taking place at one of the the parishes here in the city. Mm-hmm. She says, "I know it's last minute. I know you're you're driving into the studio, but can you come and hear confessions?" And I said, "Absolutely." And they were thanking me profusely oh, for coming to hear confessions. I said, "No, no, you don't understand. This is priesthood. Yeah. Mm. This is me actually getting to be a priest and yeah. not like a a business manager. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this is this is a joy for me. You know, yeah. um, and and that's really that's." If I can speak for all the priests everywhere, universally, worldwide, mm-hmm. living and presently uh, um, awaiting the resurrection, we love being priests. Yeah. And we, this is the stuff we like. Yeah. So yeah. never, it's not always easy, but sure. yeah, invite us, please. And if we can come, yeah. we will. You know? Yeah. The worst thing they can say is no. <laughs> because, you ne- because you never know. I mean, you never know right. how that's going to affect family life, right? right? You never know how it's going to appropriately challenge family life. Yeah. And you never know how it's going to affect the lives of children. And so even in the midst of all of the 
um, the, the difficulty as a lot of the, these uh, attorney general reports come out and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Y'all, p- please, please keep drawing your priests close. Please. Yeah. Please do. Um, didn't mean for that to be a plea, but it is. It's uh, true. Plea, please keep praying for your priests. Pray for their holiness. Mm-hmm. Pray for good decisions by your priests. Yeah. Huh? Um, but, but please keep trying to hold them close because I'm pretty convinced that, that if you reach out to your priests and, and, and you're able to kind of begin to uh, feel maybe a, a growing loneliness in them, because a, a lot of priests do s- deal with loneliness, you know, um, then, then you actually will begin to, to bring about something in them that can bring about these little small conversions in our lives too, because right. we do need that. We need that. We're members mm-hmm. of the mystical body of Christ. And just because I act in the person of Christ the head at Mass doesn't mean that I'm any less uh, an arm or a leg, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the whole baptized assembly of believers. So not to make it about me, but <laughs> but you get you get what yeah, I'm saying, right? Sure. It's the yeah. same for these two sisters that they had the presence of, of religious mm-hmm. in their family life in some way uh, yeah. connected to the parish. And that helped them to develop God's right. plan for their life. Mm-hmm. Father, yeah. c- could I get you to... To reread your intro because now, because yeah. uh, when I heard it, it's like, what is he talking about? Oh, yeah. And now okay. you bring it all together because okay. it was pretty funny. Yeah, my, my tease right at the top yes, of the yeah. show, huh? Sisters who are sisters but don't know their sisters become sisters. Uh, I like yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. What a beautiful story. What a tongue twister. That's right. Uh, or you could just do like uh, the little brackets in the Roman Missal says, brethren. <laughs> it's a lot easier, right? Uh, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know what might be a sacrifice for you, but it isn't for us because we just love doing it, is reminding you that this is the Catholic Underground. Uh-huh. Have mercy. <laughs> Have mercy. You are listening yes, to the Catholic Underground. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris, joined by Kathleen Lee. Up on the Jeff Star One is Jeff Blackwell orbiting us at, I don't really know how many thousand miles a minute. Not but a lot. Yeah. Heads in the pulpit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's everybody. That's, yeah. And it, you're here. Oh, yeah. And Olivia's on assignment. Olivia is on assignment. Our picks of the week are coming up. Yes, they are. But first, maybe connected to uh, this thread of conversation we were having. Yes. Uh, there is a, a, a priest. Mm-hmm. Who who really did understand what it is to work with children? Right. Speaking of the children, yeah, yeah, and to draw them in, to draw yeah. them in well. Now, this is a name that I have heard plenty, mm-hmm. um, but you know, when, when it comes to saints, I like I hear these names and they they follow me around until one day it's just like, oh, this is who this is. Mm-hmm. This is this guy's story. So, if you know uh, Saint John Bosco. He's got a he's got a very recognizable picture. You can Google him. And he's got a song too. Oh, he does. How does Don he Bosco, go? thy children on many a shore shall love and revere thee till time be no more. And there's a whole. Thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Don Bosco. Google right? that. YouTube that. St. John Bosco, right? Yeah. He worked... Don't auto-tune it though, because I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, no. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Well, Keep he going. worked with uh, with inner city inner city children in mm-hmm. the 19th century, century in Italy. It's hard to imagine there were slums then, but yes, there were. There were. Mm-hmm. And they, they were compared to the slums of developing worlds of the developing world today, right? Mm-hmm. So sanitation and housing were miserable. Uh, mortality rates were high. There was, you know, problems like addiction, gangs, violence, crime. These were of epidemic proportions. Nothing new under the sun. Right. 
Right. Um, and these harsh conditions actually claim children as the first and the greatest victims. They're always the most vulnerable. Right. Exactly. The most vulnerable are always the ones who are the first to um, right. either be discarded by society or simply because they are fragile um, right. to, to succumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have um, orphans, right, that were drawn into uh, gang life, crime and prostitution. And in uh, the midst of these horrors, John Bosco founded Refugees of happiness, mm-hmm. peace, uh, acceptance, and love. And so he's going into the the darkest of the dark yep. and providing a place for children um, to to thrive. That's right, right. Which is really cool. In fact, so much of his work was done, um, in fact, his life's work was done among children. Right. And if you, if you kind of Google uh, Don Bosco quotes, yeah. you can see how so much of what he believed centered around that that notion of of the childlike encountering Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he also developed a simple and loving method for dealing with children. <laughs> and if Which you've is ever, important. Yeah. Right. If you've ever had to deal with children, sometimes you, well, especially, you aren't always uh, loving. Especially children from um, a difficult environment, right? right? Exactly. Coming from, from a, a very difficult environment. Right. And, and as... Yeah, as a now teacher, that's any school, right? Sure. Practically. Yeah, as a teacher, I know plenty of times I've I've you know written a, a student off or you know just labeled them as a as a problem. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you find out what the home life looks like, and you're like, there ah, it is. that's it. Yeah, right. Um, so this method actually informs Catholic educators, and I would say educators in general today. Um, but these simple methods for teachers and those who work with young people can be applied in all of our work with people, especially, um, we're going to talk about this, in the area of the new evangelization. So mm-hmm. he has three principles, right? The first one being the realization that the child is good and not evil, right? Each child is created in God's image and is therefore intrinsically good, which is sometimes hard to, to like, when you've got that kid who just hates you and life, right? And, and they're horrible and you're just like, they're, you, you are evil, right? But they're not, we're all created good, right? Um, God's good image in the child is wounded by sin, as it is in all of us, right? But the essential goodness at the heart of each person remains the overriding truth and the foundation of the relationship between you two. And that's, I guess, what causes us first to to write off a kid. Right. Because we go, that's just an evil little child, you know? <laughs> you are Satan. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you didn't want to put it like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you do because perhaps the, um, the, the, the situation is so difficult. Right. There's a temptation to, to just write the kid off as, the child's got the devil in him, so right. that's yeah. That. But but we're all good, and if we can recognize that good in each other, right? Yeah. If we can recognize that good in the child, then it it changes the whole relationship, right? The yeah. Number, the second principle. Forget that fundamental thing of, right. of fundamental goodness. Number one, yeah. the realization the child is good. Mm-hmm. Number two, the child is not only good, but he desires the good, mm-hmm. right? He wants the good, yeah. even though um, you know. It may not seem that way. Right. He wants to misbehave. He wants to throw things across the, the the classroom. He wants to talk back to you. He desires the good. Yeah. Right. And desire is in itself at heart a longing for what is good, beautiful, and true. Right. Whether these children can can um, you know recognize that or or what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, where they're able to 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 kind of articulate put their, that, yeah, articulate. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't that <laughs> well, word. Um, 
they, that's what they want. They desire mm-hmm. the good, right? Human beings will often seek to fulfill their desires in negative, twisted, and selfish ways, but the underlying desire is for the good. That's right, and I think that's that naturally that follows from recognizing if a child is intrinsically good, but may have parts of, of his or her behavior or lifestyle that are that are disordered in some way, right. usually because of bad example or lack thereof, huh? Right. Um, lack of a father, lack of a mother, lack of f- true friendship. Right. Then they're going to try to seek their immediate good. That's mm-hmm. that's basic uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, right? Right. Um, but if we if we proceed and, and understand that the child is not only good but desires the good, then we can perhaps begin to look in the midst of that. In fact, it's also what we say developmentally that a, that a child, and especially an adolescent, right. desires some form of rule of life. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And that's part of desiring the good because we desire order. Right. That's part of how we are. Absolutely. And that's how we thrive in in some kind of order. Mm-hmm. Right. The third one. So the first one, the child is, is good, that they desire the good. But the third one is very interesting because this one we can always, this is the first, I think, mm-hmm. the first one out the window. Mm-hmm. We're like, this is not true. That the child desires to, to please the adult. Yeah. It's actually true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their the, their intrinsic is their their sorry, their instinct is to win love and affirmation. Right? And the child instinctively wants to win that love and affection by pleasing the adults in his life because they are the source of love and affection. Mm-hmm. Right? They they want that love and affection and so they their instinct is to please the one that gives that so that they can receive it. Yep. Right. And so John Bosco taught his brothers to work with these uh, instincts and use them to form the child in the ways of the faith. Right. And so he's, he's teaching everybody he knows, look, these children, <laughs> they may seem like little, <laughs> you demons, know what, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> little, but little demons. They're good. They want the good and they want to please you. Mm-hmm. Right. And our job as adults is to form them, Right. In that way Mm -hmm. to show them love and affection and to reinforce their goodness. Right. To remind them that they are good. Right. And so um, he told his brothers that they were they were to listen carefully to the needs of each child Mm -hmm. and encourage them to speak the best in every case to draw them into what is good and point them on the way to find what is best. Right. The Bosco method is to emphasize the positive, build on what is good and encourage the child to believe that the very best is possible. Yep. Right, because even in their own situations, they're not looking, they're not thinking, you know, that I, I can achieve a good or mm-hmm. even a, a best. Yeah, right. They're just trying to survive. That's right. There is right. there is something instinctual about childhood more right. so than, um, more so than than actively choosing sometimes, which is why, of course, for young children, um, we we understand that and we say that the the age of reason is at seven. That's why right. the church kind of puts that there in, in a canon law um, context, mm-hmm. because before that, children are simply um, learning what's around them, and if there's a privation, if there's a there's a, a goose egg, a nothing, right? They'll learn that too, right? You know. Yeah. So this, in turn, of course, builds a relationship of trust, from which comes real joy and confidence in a child. Right. Mm-hmm. It's um, it is one of uh, it is on this joy and confidence that an abundant and successful life is the result. Yep. Right. Again, not just not just surviving, but but thriving. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Bosco's method also unlocks great wisdom for the task of the new evangelization. If you don't work with children, guess what? <laughs> 
<laughs> you still work with people That's or you right. interact with people. Yep. Right. And so this is, is super important. And too often when we look at the new evangelization, we get caught up in apologetics or um, evangelization armed with the church's doctrines, mm-hmm. a list of rules and regulations and intellectual formulations. Like it becomes the, the facts of, mm-hmm. of, of the faith, of the faith. Yeah. Right. And we forget Right. While these things are necessary and absolutely have a purpose, that evangelization is um, is most effective through personal relationships. If there's no relationship, then nobody's going to listen to your rules. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't matter how how many good rules you have. Right. And so, ba- so Bosco's method method shows us what those personal relationships should look like. Mm-hmm. Number one. Mm-hmm. Right. We start by acknowledging the intrinsic good in the other person. That whoever you're talking to is good. Yeah. Right. No matter what their That's reaction. Yeah. No matter what their reaction to you or what you're saying, that they are good. God created them good. And although they are wounded by sin, as we all are, and selfishness, they remain good. Right. When we see them as good, we can love them as good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Loving is willing the good of the other. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Right. Secondly, no matter what their mistakes, their anger towards God, their ignorance of their uh, resistance to religion, they also long for the good, right? Um, no matter what their what their background is, what they're coming from, they long for the good. The mm-hmm. vast majority of people spend their lives longing and looking for what is truly beautiful, good, and true, mm-hmm. right? And and whether or not they find it is in some way up to us, right? You know, in a sense, absolutely. And thirdly, the other person, even if he doesn't know it, is longing to please God. Mm-hmm. Right, we were cre- we were created to be in a loving and obedient relationship with our Creator. That's just the way that we're wired. Yeah. Every one of us, whether we ascribe to you know a religious belief or not, right? In the midst of everything else, he or she, whoever you're talking to, right, is searching for at the foundation what they really long for mm-hmm. is a life that pleases God. Right, and so those involved in the new ev- evangelization will want to resort to doctrines and rules and, those and are regulations, important. and those are important. Yeah. Absolutely, uh-huh. if we don't teach people, you know, the facts of the faith, eventually, mm-hmm. um, you know, then there's there's no real foundation to stand. That's on. right. There's there's no meat for the for the proclamation of the gospel. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, but Saint John Bosco teaches us a way that requires risk, faith trust and openness to what God is doing in the other person's life as well. Because mm-hmm. we are, we're, we're picking up uh, in medias res and while something has happened in their life. Right, yep. right, right, right. So the ability to do this will draw others to the faith, not by intellectual assent alone, mm-hmm. right, but by the attraction of a truly loving approach that affirms all that is good in them and all the good for which they long, all that is good and true and beautiful yep. in a relationship. Right. That approach encourages and inspires so the true searcher can find the way that leads to eternal life. That's right. Because really, that's what it's all about. Right. If if we're not uh, ourselves training others to be saints and trying to, to become saints ourselves, then there's really no point to uh, to Christian right. to human relationships. But that's really why we're. Oh, there it is again. A mystical body. That's why yeah. we're all connected together mm-hmm. is because we're headed as a body. Just as an arm can't get to the finish line before the foot, you know, yeah. uh, in, in, in a dis, disattached way, right, unattached right, right, way, right. Yeah. Uh, the body's the same way. We move towards the finish line together. And that's mm-hmm. all of us. Well, you're uh, watching and listening to the Catholic Underground. There's more on the other side of the break. But stick with us because we'll be right back.
Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of Thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, Kathleen Lee, yes, Ed Ball, and Jeff Blackwell. Yeah, Ed Ball is playing the organ here. Get <laughs> <Give> Ed. <laughs> He's really good with those. Uh, yes. Doublets. Yeah. Uh, our picks of the week are coming up, but first. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, I actually I I homilized about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. All right. Like um, it was it was kind of my. Uh, launching point right yeah. uh you've probably been watching it and actually i think it was a pick of the week uh, a while back several years ago yeah um the life-changing magic of tidying up by marie kondo yeah did you remember about that by chance jeff as a pick of the week i don't it a little itty bitty book really it had to really have, cute it had book. to have been oh. because i own it and i don't think that i would have, have <laughs> the only things that up. kathleen owns are picks of pretty the week pretty much i usually yeah. order them oh, okay. as the show is ending so <laughs> i'm right. pretty sure it had to <laughs> okay. have been one so this has been since made into a netflix series which I, i'm gonna admit i haven't watched yeah yeah uh i watched the first episode okay so, uh, so her book marie kondo um is, is a japanese cleaning guru and her book uh, came out in 2012, mm-hmm. The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. It's been a New York Times bestseller, more than 3 million copies. My. There's also a, a sequel to it. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, called Spark Joy. Okay. I have to admit that I I haven't read all of that one yet. Okay. But uh, but I, I, have... I haven't read the first, all the first Oh, baby child. <laughs> <laughs> I read a little bit of it and I was like, this is but really it good. it looks really good. You put it in your house yeah. and people come in and say... Oh, I see. She's right. She must be about to do it that. It was a coffee. It was certainly a coffee table um, yeah, staple at my right, apartment. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's and more... people look around and go, she hadn't read that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she. Oh, Kathleen. She must have, of course, been in my rectory, too. I'm an artist. So, uh, yeah. so like Jeff, I tend to be an everything out person, right? I, if I'm working on... I don't know, Jeff. Are you like this? Oh, if you're working yeah. on two or three projects, oh, do you have yeah. them kind of... Actually, physically side yeah, by side. My wife screams at me every month. You got to clean the, the the kitchen table off, Jeff. Well, oh, that's there. true, right? Because that's the, the largest surface and, to work. Yeah, yeah, I do the same thing. So anyway. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm an artist too. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, Kathleen has artist brain. Ooh. Anyway, so the method, the method right. is called the KonMari method, Ooh. which I think might be Marie Kondo, but turned yeah. into KonMari. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so the way that this works mm-hmm. is. You gather all your stuff together. Yep. All every, like, for example, your clothes, right? You gather every piece of clothing in the house and you put them in a pile. And then one by one, you take each item in your hands and you ask yourself, does this spark joy? As a way of determining which items to keep and which ones to discard or donate. Right. And so then you go from your clothes and you, um, you, you go in and, and you get your books. Right. And then all of your other tchotchkes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, tchotchkes. <laughs> yeah, tchotchkes and bric-a-brac. Knick-knacks. Bric-a-brac, yeah. And, and so the idea is that you do this with everything in your house mm-hmm. until you have only those things surrounding you that fill you with joy. 
I still have so many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all do. Um, yeah. So, but what? I, let me just preface this by saying I, I believe that Marie Kondo suggests that you only have thirty books. That's not going to fly. Oh, she don't know any theologians. Marie, I'm just telling you now. Right? Yeah, not going to happen. I don't. I don't read many of the books that I have. The right. theological books that are not. You know, I don't just cycle through them like sure. a weirdo. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start over again. Summa Theologica. Yeah. Uh, no. no, thanks. <laughs> uh, then, I, then after that is, no, but, you know, to have yeah. to come back to. Um, but so you repeat all the processes over and over until you're only surrounded by the things that, that bring you joy. Right. Um, so she's she's actually gone into the homes of, of, of several folks in her Netflix reality show, Family with Young Children, whose home feels chaotic and, and cluttered. Recently retired couple who've spent decades collecting clothes and yes. baseball cards. A widow who is having trouble ridding herself of of any of her late husband's possessions. Mm -hmm. So she works through the process with him and shows results, you know? Yeah. And uh, and really is kind of, it's very satisfying program. Because at the end, they've got these, you know, trash bags full of things to donate. And, you know, you can put the car in the garage and that sort of thing. (laughs) I love it. That's all. It's almost like an episode of Hoarders, except... It is, but it's Except got a happy ending, people. right? Yeah. 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 And not just, the, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. 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 Um, My granddaughter told me about this, and, yeah. and, and, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah. I, I, see yeah. The, I see that Diane has, uh, has joined you because, because you, you uh, called her not by name. <laughs> uh, up on the Jeff Star One, uh, which has a, a guest pod. Um, yes. uh, D- mm-hmm. Diane's just your, out of frame there. Put your hand up here. That's right. That, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said I scream at him, so I'm going to come on the air. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you can give him a little swat if you want there, Diane. It's okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, oh, there, that, that, was a, that was a little swat. Yeah. Anyway, so. Oh, that's right. We're. Hi. We're doing a program. I guess I, I keep forgetting. Yeah. Uh, so the KonMari uh, method. I love, how you, I love how you pronounce that. KonMari. I figure, Is that how they say it on the show? Or I you don't just know. made that up? Con Mary. Con Mary, <laughs> Con Mary Tiding Ritual bears some of the striking similarities. No, it doesn't. So the it. Con Mary method mm-hmm. bears some of the striking similarities to the annual purging of possessions that's undertaken by a group called the Commands of Christ, Com- Companions of Christ. My goodness. <laughs> I think your your mush mouth, Kathleen, know, is, is catching. Spreading. So the, the Companions of Christ uh, is a, an association of diocesan priests and deacons who live a common life of prayer and fraternity. And what they do is they take upon themselves uh, the observance of poverty, chastity, and obedience in their ordained ministry. So if, uh, to, to give you a little inside track here, right. diocesan priests, because we're not members of a religious order, we don't make... Um, vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. We make sacramental promises of, of simplicity of life, mm-hmm. of celibacy for the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of, of perpetual celibacy. And then, um, and then of, of keeping a, a life of prayer, of praying the liturgy of the hours. Right. And they're a little different to a vow, but uh, a, an association of priests uh, can come together and live a rule, a common rule, in which they themselves can, can take upon themselves the extra evangelical councils they're called of poverty right. of life, chastity and obedience, um, and so it becomes a component of of their of their ministry. Yeah. And so, as part of their annual purging of possessions, because as dos and priests, you know, you do get things. Mm-hmm. They they purge them every year. So, um, as part of the commitment, they they around Ash Wednesday um, purge all their stuff as a household. Yep. So they lay out all their belongings, which is incidentally. Uh, part of the KonMari method. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it allows them to see, it allows everybody to see how much they actually own, right? And, and recognize they have excess in their lives. Yeah. And every now and then, I do this probably every, every like between December and January, I think, yeah. because you're at the rectory a little bit more often, you yeah, know, and yeah. you don't have a whole lot of things to, to do. And so I, I, um, I tend to lay out things and do yeah. that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that right now in my room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your Groundhog's Day cleaning. Not on purpose. It's just, <laughs> no, no, it's just all, all there. Out. Oh, Well, you're halfway there, Kathleen. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll see if I can't get Marie Kondo yeah. on the phone. Too. Oh, she's going to come to my house and be like, mm, no, I can't help you. <laughs> you, are behind, you are beyond help, my friend. <laughs> all of the books I have written... Are not helpful for you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So, um, so this is what the what the the priests in this um, community do. And following a series of principles of guiding principles, they question each item mm. as they make decisions about what to keep and what to discard. Uh, for the Mike Rapp, who incidentally is uh, one of the priests on the Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast. Very cool. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. Uh, Father Mike Rapp. Uh, says it kind of pushes you to admit whether or not you really need things. Mm -hmm. He said that taking a simple approach to material goods is something that can benefit all of the faithful and not just priests. Because, you know, you can. You can become kind of um, barnacleized as a priest if you have a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking at, like, you know, when you talk about do you really need these things, I'm, I go through my like my possessions and every time like there's there, there's things like I have a big head let's just let's just admit that <laughs> hats do not do well on me but I have so many hats that I don't ever wear that's what I collect is hats and I'm always like why did I buy mm -hmm. a hat I'm never gonna wear it ever mm -hmm. yeah but I have plenty of them but you have plenty of them now, I, now you're getting Diane started she's <laughs> like you have that hat collection too. uh oh uh oh <laughs> It's a good thing you're up on the Jeff Star One. Yeah, it's in the top of the closet. When I get home, that's right. That's right. Yeah, maybe no. uh, later, dear. Right later. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, Father Rap says for the Christian, this is a way of taking away those things that nickel and dime our lives, mm -hmm. so that we can really have what we need and value that, and then have the space in our life, that sort of openness, that quietness, to really follow the Lord, to hear His voice, to pay attention to God, serving other people, and loving them. Many people that go on um, on mission experiences, yeah. right, mission trips, mm -hmm. experience this in some form or another. Right. They see the the essentials uh, in the families that they serve, and then they come back and they look at you know, yeah, all of this bounty and go, oh, yeah, this is this is sickening, right? It, yeah. it actually, for some, it's like viscerally sickening. Yeah, I, I've I've had a couple of friends when I was in college who did that, who lived extended missionary lives, you know, mm -hmm. for a year or so, and then came back, and it was it was very, like it was um they didn't always have the the easiest time getting back into. You know, yeah, the, to acclimating yeah. back into uh, commercial Western culture, right? And then you know, with their friends, they'd always be like, "What do you? Why do you need that?" And I'd be mm -hmm. like, "Cause I need it." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, it was the unreflected life. Right, right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Father Rapp also notes that one of the instructions given by John the Baptist to prepare the people for the coming of Christ was, in fact, and I quote: uh, "Whoever has two tunics should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise." Father Rapp says, you don't need anything excessive. If you have excess in your life, it can be a distraction. Just get rid of it. Hmm. You're speaking to me, Father, from all the way over in Denver. It's yeah. true. Um, in fact, uh, this also connects with what we as Catholics believe, certainly. Uh, the Catholic Church teaches that the Evangelical Council of Poverty, along with chastity and obedience, is proposed by Christ to all disciples. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's me, but it's, it's certainly you as well. Sometimes we tend to think that, oh, only priests, only right. monks, only only sister nuns. Sister, yeah. mm-hmm. That's only them. But but we're all called to live the evangelical councils in some way by virtue of our baptism because it's a way to cooperate with the life of grace. Right. Every now and then, you know, we tend to think it's like our conscience or something whenever we're in a store and we and we hear that you don't need that. Yeah. Well, that could very well be the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, you know, this is what you're doing here is yeah. you're attempting to find me. And yeah. uh, I'm not in that thing, right? Yeah. I'm not in that. Yeah. So uh, Father Rapp points to Mark 10, in which the rich young man asks Christ what he must do to inherit eternal life. Christ tells him to do what? To go and sell what you have mm-hmm. and give to the poor, then come follow me. And the young man goes away sad because he's possessed. Right. By his stuff. He's possessed by his possessions. Yeah, exactly. They're not inherently evil. We should say that, right? We're not not a Calvinist podcast. Right, right, (laughs) right. right. We're not inherently evil, and our stuff is not necessarily inherently evil, you know? Um, But uh, when we become attached to these things, they go from being necessary items that help us in life to becoming a detriment and a distraction from our priorities. Right. When I I just recently moved uh, from a city... You know, from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, back to Baton Rouge, and when I moved my stuff, <laughs> sixty long miles of yes, yeah. and I, w- I like I had all my stuff in a. I was like, I'm gonna move it out of my one bedroom apartment into a storage unit, and I put it in that storage unit, and it and it could have been that it was May in Louisiana, mm-hmm. so it was hot, <laughs> I was miserable, and you know I was finishing up the school year, um, but I I I locked it up and I walked away and I was like, how? <laughs> Did I get all of this yeah. stuff? More than a house is worth in a house. And it's mm. not even like some of this stuff. I'm like, yeah. why am I even holding on to it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I moved all that stuff to Baton Rouge and I was like, okay, goodbye. This is like, like you know, I told a friend of mine, I was like, I just want to, if I could set my one unit on fire and just walk away, yeah. I would do it. Cause I was like, I would rather just start afresh. That might void you know. your security deposit. Probably would, <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. would. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you just get so overwhelmed with it, mm-hmm. you know? It's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. true. I have uh, a <laughs> full disclosure. I have at this moment, um, uh, like three or four piles of clothing. I mm-hmm. mean, look, I'm a priest. I'm wearing a cassock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, my, my daily wear is generally this, a mm-hmm. cassock or a clerical shirt. Uh, you know, I have probably maybe half a dozen pairs of black pants, you yeah. know, so mm-hmm. that I can change them regularly and wash <laughs> them. It's important, you know. Thank yeah. goodness. Um, but it's amazing how many, what we would call kind of civvies, our civilian clothing. It's mm-hmm. amazing how many of those things have followed me yeah. through the years. Uh, many of the stuff from high school. Right. I don't, I'm not wearing shirts from high school, at least not in public. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so, but it's amazing how we we do. We tend to kind of hold on to these things because they remind us yeah. of something. Mm-hmm. And maybe they maybe they aren't joy sparking reminders. Maybe right. it's just like we're trying to hang on to something. Yeah, I have a, yeah. T shirts T shirts are are a big thing. I like they remind me of. I mean, and being involved in youth ministry, you get a, a you know. Uh, a About t-shirt a bajillion at, t-shirts yeah, every, every other week at an months, event yeah. and i'm like for me i'm always like oh but if i if i give this away then it's gonna hurt whoever gave it to me <laughs> they don't care they're, because they're going to see someone else yeah. in that t-shirt or yeah. because they're gonna ask me one day hey do you have that t-shirt from that conference you did you yeah. know no I they're back. not yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like why don't you ever wear that Be- what no, i'm sorry it doesn't happen. <laughs> taylor right. in the chat room says instead i wear all the star trek t-shirts that are also from high school taylor 
It's a good thing you're in the chat room. Otherwise, <laughs> El Kabong you on the head. No, it's true, Taylor. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. Mm-hmm. So, um, so members of religious orders take vows of poverty, as we said, and that's generally in a very radical sort of way. But canon law suggests that Dosses and priests should live a simple life and give away excess that they have to the poor, which is right. certainly what I'm trying to do. That's why I have these piles of shirts that I'm sorting through. Mm-hmm. He says it's a pretty good general rule for everybody, though. You yeah. know, um, Determining what, what is excess in one's life uh, is a matter of personal discernment, uh, Father Rapp says. In his community, members are guided by the principle, start with nothing and keep only what you really need. Um, Other guidelines include trying to limit belongings to what can be packed in a car, fitting for the life of mobility to which priests are called, and asking the question, have I used this within the last year? Yeah, That's something that, that kind of hits me right in the, in the stomach. Because, again, as an, as an artist, as a graphic artist, I tend to keep things that are inspiring. Right. But keeping things that inspire me, I mean, that's... After a while, you, you have a dirigible full of things, right, you yeah. know? Um, so so that is that is a challenge. Uh, I, I couldn't fit everything in a carload if I had to. Uh, I can't. No, yeah. I needed a... I'd like to get to that point. I <laughs> really would. A truck. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do. As Das and priests, we move pretty regularly. Right. You know, um, between six and 12 years, you know? Yeah. And that's... It. And so to have multiple... Oper- not multiple car trips from the old rectory to the new right. one. Um, when I moved rectories... Um, one time, um, a moving truck came. Like uh, parishioners had had a furniture company, and they, yeah. they sent a moving truck. And I'm thinking, I don't, golly, it's really that bad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's true. Um, if if you ha- you know if you haven't used it in the la- in the last year, you might not need it. Right. Father says uh, you might not use it in the next twenty years. And while they're purging their stuff, the Denver companions pray in gratitude to God. So you see how there's a kind of a connection right. here between the Christian principle of, mm-hmm. of doing this in discernment and prayer and what's kind of this new agey thing, right? right this yeah. new agey uh, um, kind of phase, uh, phase of purging that everybody's yeah. doing. Because, you know, people are, people are on social media getting mad at Marie Kondo. And then there are people on social media getting happy because that means that the Goodwill store is going to have a lot of neat stuff in it, yeah. they're saying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as a as a spiritual uh, mode, I mean, it really does interface with what we believe as Catholics. Uh, for laity, especially families with children, the criteria for what to keep looks different. Of course, huh? yeah. it's really difficult when you have children of various ages right. to keep possession simple because there are various needs happening at the mm-hmm. same time. And uh, Alicia uh, Hernan, who's a mother of ten children, um, and uh, and she's one of the co-directors. Um, uh, she's also she's also part of the Messy Family Project and podcast. That could be a Ooh, fun one. I haven't mm, heard that one before, yeah, but I think I might mm-hmm. have to take a listen. It's hard for moms to give away clothes, and you know you're going to have a child who's going to wear them soon right. Right. Uh, or play with those toys in just a few years. Uh, she said, yes, I'd love to get rid of all the extra toys and clothes, but not if I have to replace them for the next child hitting the stage just a short time right. in a row. So, yeah, and, and in a sense, you kind of expect sure. families, especially with young children, to have a, a cluttered, lived-in home. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, it's funny. I w- was in Denver um, with my brother and his three kids and for Christmas, and I remember, you know, was sitting there as these kids opened present after present after present after present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, as an aunt, want to be the best present giver ever, yeah. right? And so I'm always looking for what is going to be specifically for that child the best thing. Yeah. And, you know, and this year I got I got them all a, an indoor trampoline. Mm-hmm. 
that was the best present because yeah. they were they're opening up these you know it's like present after present oh look next oh look next you know right, yeah and the best presents that they had was that that one trampoline and uh juliet the my the youngest um got a princess tent nothing else like there wasn't anything in it and they had more fun because they, they, I mean, there were T Rexes that attacked the castle, and their imaginations brought, yeah. could, and their yeah. imagination, and it was so simple that all the rest of these toys, they were like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. you know, this is cool for two seconds. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's important that we we take all of this uh, this this stuff and we we say, you know. Um, what can't be adapted to a Catholic worldview because Kondo's ideas can't all be adapted, huh? Right. Rather than thanking a book, because this is what, so, so if it doesn't spark joy, you're supposed to thank it for its service, its usefulness, uh-huh. and then send it on its way. Um, mm-hmm. th- that is kind of, well, we don't thank objects right. because God is the source of all material blessing. Right. So to be able to, to, to alter it, to say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this. It's been valuable in my life for years. I'm going to let go of it now. That's a that's mm-hmm. a prayer of, uh, of that that's properly directed because right. we're we're not animists, right? Animism is is right. uh, believing that the soul of uh, that that a book has a soul, right? right? You know, well, and, and may this bring joy to whoever receives it. Now, so. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and so um, ultimately, simplicity is uh, is about. Get, building gratitude in that sort of thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so th- that's important to note. Um, um, Marie uh, Marie Kondo served in a, a Shinto shrine for a little while, and so she she greets houses before she tidies them. You know, so yeah. there are some little um, idea that inanimate objects have spirits, and that's right. a that's a a non um, compatible Catholic belief. But we right. can always offer things back to God. Absolutely, you right. know. Uh, so yeah, for the Denver Companions, purging physical things is a reminder to reflect on spiritual poverty, which is more important than material poverty, right? Yeah. What do I cling to? My time, my energy, my friendships, my talent, my opinions. Mm-hmm. What are all these things that that I don't empty out in a right way? Huh? Right. Helps us to recognize that all these things that we have are gifts from God and they're opportunities to give thanks um, and to practice detachment, which we all are supposed to practice, right? right. Um, fostering spiritual poverty because God promises the kingdom of the spiritually poor. That's what we're looking for, Father Rapp says, and he's mm-hmm. right. We don't find our peace and happiness in things. So again, uh, Father Mike Rapp's podcast is the thecatholicstuffpodcast.com. We'll put a, a link in the show notes. Um, it's definitely uh, of a different flavor than ours. For example, mm-hmm. Jeff, um, the thecatholicstuffpodcast.com, uh-huh. they have uh, usually a glass of Maker's Mark in their hand while they're... Come on now. While they're uh, yes. chatting. <laughs> oh, those priests, you know. We might need to adapt some of those ways into ours. That's, that's right. Well, you know one thing that I think maybe they could adapt? It's that part of the show that we like to call... The CU Pick of the Week. All right, for that pick of the week, uh, we can't go to Olivia because she's on assignment, but we can go to Kathleen. Yes. Okay, so I'm wearing a shirt. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, Not on radio, they can't. So for those watching on radio. John John Paul II, we love you. It's pretty awesome. John Paul II, we love you. We love you. So um, I went to, on the March for Life, I went to the the shrine of JP2 in Washington, D.C. I got this awesome shirt, but I also picked up a book um, called, it's called He Liked Tuesdays Best. Um, And it's by the the man, and he is is an archbishop now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Archbishop Mokrzyski. Is what I'm going to say. He has okay. a very interesting Polish name. Um, 
and he was the uh, the second secretary okay of uh, pope john paul ii in his in his final years uh, okay. and so it's kind of this interview back and forth uh between um him and the author of the book and it's it's really interesting um because it gives you a little bit of insight into the everyday um of of saint john paul ii and and some of it this guy is very um respectful and very um almost almost um like guarded a, a little too guarded right and protective mm. of his time with that, with that, that sounds like a, a secretary yeah who worked closely with and the so he right gives now. some good some good you know like one of the he gives some good answers but um like you know it, it asks him did your grace cry after the death of the holy father and he responds i was filled with sorrow but i was retaining my tears i was crying earlier but please don't write about it <laughs> right mm. um and so and so it's it's interesting that he you know he gives a little bit of insight you know how he and john paul second used to walk and pray and and the songs that john paul ii uh, would sing um, and how he he wanted everybody to sing or how at dinner the sisters who served him knew he wanted dessert because he would start drawing a circle on the uh, <laughs> uh, right by his place and on the, the right table where the dessert cloth, would go right? and he didn't have to say anything he just you know just uh -huh. and they would come with a cookie or you know a cake or something and oh, uh, so it's really cool it's a really really beautiful just insight into his life it's called he liked tuesday's best and he liked Tuesdays best because that was his day off. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Jeff, your pick of the week. Father, if you don't mind, because you always get the short end of the stick, why don't you do your quick pick of the week? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my pick of the week is a very simple app that's probably been a pick of the week before. Mm -hmm. But I've just, it's one of those things that I discover and rediscover. Um, it's the Pocket app. The Pocket uh, app. Yeah, yeah. It's available at getpocket.com. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's it's for uh, iOS and for Android. And it also interfaces. Uh, there are little plugins for Chrome and for Firefox for your web browser. And so whenever you come across an article on the web that you want to read later, yeah. um, you you put it in the Pocket. Oh. Ah. And and then it'll it'll format it for reading rather than you know all of the web ads yeah, and everything, uh -huh. and so you can go through a little bit later. And it's also offline browsable, so whenever you find yourself without signal yeah. or I don't know in Europe in a bus terminal, <laughs> yeah, um, thanks a lot. Europe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you have a chance to, uh, or, or like Father Ryan with just an iPhone for all yeah. of Europe, mm -hmm. then then you can just kind of start going through your backlog. And that's what I use actually to to uh, to do show note uh, prep and things like that. Okay, if I yeah. come across something I'll put it in pocket and you can tag things it's got a very robust tagging engine yeah. so uh, if you have recipes or you know exercises you want to try or things like that um, there are also suggested articles by pocket as well hmm. and so there are some curated things yeah. um, so again that's a uh, the pocket app and I'll put that in in the, the show notes link and it's been very helpful for me um, and maybe it will be for you um, we go back now to the Jeff star one and okay. for your pick of the week Mine is a song, and this was released after Christmas, right after New Year's. Oh, yeah. uh, it is co-written by John Finch, mm -hmm. who is from Pearl River, Louisiana. Yes, sure. Is. sure. Yeah. And uh, Greg Boudreaux, who you know from uh, Greg and Lizzie fame. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a wonderful song of worship, and it's entitled, Oh Mother. Ooh. And the lyrics are just so powerful. They sink into your soul, and it's it's, it's really a song of of wonderful prayer and worship, and it'll just stay with you throughout the day. 
So we have links in the show notes uh, where you can actually uh, see the song at um, uh, on YouTube or thevigilproject.com, johnfinch.com, and also gregandlizzie.com. Any of those places you can find out more about these artists. But these are wonderful Catholic people who are living their faith and out there spreading the word through their gifts and talents of, of music and, and notes. And, and oh, so talented. Oh, yeah. oh, so talented. I think they're about to go on a Linton tour, huh? Ooh. The Vigil yep, Project. There yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you can see the schedule. Uh, and and they do. Uh, last I saw, I was last week. I looked at it. They had a couple of dates open. So if your church yeah. wants to bring them in for a mission, yeah. Oh, you totally it. should. Mm-hmm. You totally should. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about uh, Catholic musicians is they're 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 up and coming and starting to kind of make their way into the mainstream. And it's not just uh, like a. They're not just releasing music and saying, okay, here, do what you will. Right. But it's also becoming com- a component for spiritual formation. Right. And that is so Catholic. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Mother by John Finch and Greg Boudreaux. Thank yeah. you for that, Jeff. Oh, it's a sweet song. You'll, you'll love it. Too. it. Yeah. Well, you know, Jeff, yes. we are always grateful for our viewers, <laughs> our listeners, and our benefactors. In fact, all of you who have donated uh, at CatholicUnderground.com, I'm very, very grateful because I'm, for some reason, I hadn't been getting the emails, but now I get those emails. So whenever Good. you, whenever you donate, it pops up on my my uh, my mailbox window, Woo-hoo. and you get a little a little hail mary from me. Oh, that's precious. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, dividends when you uh, when you join, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm same. Spiritual, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Well, this week of the Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you join the growing number of uh, undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And if you'd like the show notes for this episode or to subscribe for our podcast audio, simply go to catholicunderground.com. That's right. And it's worth saying that we're available on Spotify, yeah. on Stitcher, on uh, Google Play, on, of course, iTunes, mm-hmm. and really anywhere fine podcasts are podcasted. Yep. You can find us on uh, on all sorts of these different things. Just search for the CU Weekly or for the Catholic Underground, and it's there. Our panelists this week uh, have been Kathleen Lee, the benefactress. She is our Hope Samurai Hi-ya. at the Women's New Life Center. Yes, She's indeed. at klee626 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Also, our technical director, Jeff Blackwell, at Jeff Blackwellus on Twitter and yep. Instagram. And uh, and .us, jeffblackwell.us is your website. Yes, sir, it is. And it's a privilege to be here, Father. Show enough. <laughs> privilege is mine. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. The video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on just about everything, at Digital Catholic. And we hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still, small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. Estamos Faith on Digital. And we will see you next time. From the Catholic.